Welcome to The Wrong Side, the podcast where we talk through the latest happenings in pop culture to make sure you never find yourself on the wrong side of history. We'll be talking about Olivia Jade on Red Table Talk, our thoughts on Taylor Swift's new album, Evermore, and talking through some of the latest and most prominent T-Swift theories and Easter eggs from the album. Let's discuss. every time i really do it's like fully in memory that's the magic of odds weatherby you got the magic in me i got i the got the magic baby. baby oh you were supposed to keep doing the other one i got the magic magic what is that like who is that isn't it bob mm-hmm. i know my bob <laughs> i know my bob wait have we started <laughs> yeah i'm not sure if that was our intro or if I think that was our intro. It's fine. (laughs) Happy 20th episode. Yeah. Happy 20th to you, bitch. This is the longest anniversary I've ever had. I know. The most committed relationship I've ever been in. Except for not really. Because, like, my current relationship is, like, a little bit longer. But No, but 20. I would equate the work that we put into each episode as a year off our lives. So I would would contribute this to being a 20-year anniversary, personally. Yeah. Like, we've put... We've put a solid amount of like billable time into this this podcast. It's just like <laughs> I swear to God, the first sponsor that we get, the first sponsor that we get, we are we are sending them the most obnoxious, outrageous quote. We're gonna say, <laughs> "You owe us. You owe us quite a bit of money, sir." Listen, I don't want to sound um, what's the word I'm looking for? Obnoxious. Mm-hmm. or bitter about the fact that we don't make money about for this podcast because of course we don't because it's like six months old well that's kind of sad now that I say it out loud <laughs> but I just think it would be so I'm just okay Emily like the day that we can actually have a sponsor or you know use one of those platforms where if you have a certain amount of listeners you can like sign up and do some sponsorships like that's gonna feel so cool if we ever get to that point I just I think it's cool to like you know set goals baby 2022 2022 (laughs) I'm just giving myself like a long and then we can you know we can cut short we can meet it faster and then we can feel like we really exceeded the goal you know oh god no I love that no I feel like when we do get our first sponsor manifest nobody will believe us because we'll try to do an ad in the middle of the show and they'll be like very funny and we'll have to explain no that was real I know and that's gonna be the beauty of it maybe we should just start now just prepping our audience so it doesn't feel super overwhelming we'll just function of beauty sponsorships and content to all of these people who do you think okay Emily this is actually wait can we do two questions of the day? Because I know we have one, but this is interesting. Now that okay. we're like on this topic. What is um, it? Who would be our first sponsorship? Probably. I mean, I don't know the tiers of, you know, how, I mean, in an ideal world, HelloFresh. <laughs> I just feel like everybody I listen to does HelloFresh. So I just want to be at that same tier. However, we'll probably be advertising for like a small agency in Russia, I feel. Yeah. 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 That checks out. I feel like it would be something like Me Undies. Like I would love to be sponsored by Me Undies or Third Love. You know. Oh like yeah. Bra brands. But, but I don't need. I'm a bad sponsor for Third Love because I don't have boobs. Hey, don't. <laughs> <laughs> you wear bras though, so if you wear bras, then you so are right. a audience for them. Small <laughs> boobs are boobs too. 
<laughs> okay. Okay, that was a great question. Yeah, well, I, it seems like I kind of put you on the spot, but it's all good. No, it's all good. Thanks to editing, the listeners will never know. <laughs> so I actually came up with the question of the day, our second one for today, because last week I told you all that we would make our question of the day what are our pet peeves? But then we were talking about it before we started recording and we've definitely already done that. So I guess just episode 20 things, the time flies and things slip away. So we changed the question to, because it's December and it's snowing outside where I am right now and we are two weeks away from Christmas, exactly. The question of the day is, what is the most unique Christmas gift you've ever received? And Audrey, I'm going to put you on the spot now, and you can go first. I actually, you know, I don't really have a great memory, and so what I'm going to talk about is the Christmas gift that I received this Christmas. And you might be thinking, well, what? It's not Christmas yet. And that's because I celebrated Christmas with my family over Thanksgiving time because we're not going to get together for Christmas, and we were together for Thanksgiving. We already had our like little tree moment, our little giving away our gifts moment. So for a couple years now, <laughs> I don't know how in depth I should go to like the background of this gift. Like what is going on? No, sorry. So <laughs> I think I'm just going to say it because this just gives some insight into me and my family. So like when my dad died, <laughs> sorry, I do like laugh about it. Okay. It's a coping mechanism. Like I fucking like miss him. <laughs> Should I keep going? Emily, did I take this too far? <laughs> the question of the day has taken a dark and aggressive turn. No. We are off the road. Stop. I really, I just got really nervous. Okay, so let me backtrack. But that part of the story was important because what I was trying to say was, you know, the holidays are tough, okay? When you have lost a family member, the holidays are not fun. Emily's like holding back her laughter, but also trying not to cry. <laughs> This actually, like, isn't as intense or, like, sad as it's coming off right now. But anyways, so, like, me and my siblings are all very, they're much the same as me, where we, we joke around because it's, like, haha, our sadness is, like, so sad that sometimes it's hilarious. And so ever since, like, four or five years ago, when we had our, like, first Christmas without my dad, my siblings would be, like, yeah, yeah, Mary, whatever, and a happy who cares, like, fuck this. <laughs> and that was, like, their slogan for the holidays was Mary, whatever, and happy who cares. That's a beautiful so, slogan, especially for 2020. No, like I actually, we were talking about it this year. I'm like, you should probably trademark that or something. Yeah. Before, like, let's get that branded. Before one of those like Fuego stores at the mall, like takes it from <laughs> But anyway, so my sister this year for Christmas had like custom sweatshirts made with like, it looked like embroidery kind of with like Christmas patterning and it said we're Mary whatever and happy who cares and she got them for our our entire family and we wore them like the entire time that I was home for Thanksgiving and it was really cute. Also, probably from the same place that she did that, she got the wrong side merch for Lenny and her. I was dog. just going to say, shout out to your sister for absolutely killing the holiday season this year. She really killed it. Honestly, personalized is the way to go because it's not even that expensive and like it's just so thoughtful. Like that was so cute. She, you know neglected to ask what size Lenny was so his wrong side merch was like a smidgen too small but it was truly the thought that counted and I appreciate it nonetheless guys was that so weird like I'm I'm really sorry for that I hope that you know that I'm chilling 
and my family is chilling. And I like talking about it a little bit, you know. Emily knows this. Like, I don't want to, like, sit here and pretend that my dad isn't dead. Like, he's, like, such an important part of my life. And so I'm going to talk about him. But it's, like, I'm chill. Yeah. No, that was – you gave good <laughs> – the context was necessary. You it didn't was. Talk long because otherwise people would just be, like, wow, your family sounds like they have yeah. a normal, like, vendetta against the holidays. No, when actually it's just, like, our little, like – inside joke and it's honestly cute we got so much closer like in the last four years too because my my siblings are older than me way older than me my brother's well sorry bro he's like i'm not that old asshole (laughs) they're way older (laughs) he's fucking ancient (laughs) um but he's like 30 something and my sister is 30 um and i'm 23 so it's just a cutie little thing anyways what's yours that was a great story no and i i can totally (laughs) see that phrase being printed on the bottom of socks at Fuego. 100%. No, what I'll do is I'll take like a picture and I'll put it on the Instagram so you can see because it's an iconic sweatshirt. So, okay, my gift, a little different for me. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) This gift, if you were friends with me in elementary school through middle school, you know what this gift is. Unfortunately, I don't think hardly any of my friends listen to this from that time in my life. Maybe a couple. So a little backstory, I was actually a gymnast at one point in my life, and this was before I grew like seven inches in a year, and then I was way too tall to ever do gymnastics, but I was really into gymnastics when I was younger, and I was trying to learn how to do a back handspring, and I got a handspring machine one year. I forget how old I was. I would guess maybe like third or fourth grade is my best guess. I had never heard of this thing before, and nobody knows what the hell it is. If you're listening to this right now and you're able to, Google handspring machine. It looks like a foam Pac-Man. It's huge. Like, this thing is Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I've seen that. I've seen that at Sims. Yes, and mine was green and yellow. And it was so... No, John Deere, actually. And (laughs) (laughs) Good try. And it was so fun. You literally sit on the seat and then you push it back and you're supposed to like arch your back and put your hands over and then you land on your hands and it helps you just get the form down. But basically we just played on it and it was so fun. I wish I still had it low key, but also my brother and I broke our glasses a lot because we would roll back too hard and then our faces would just like get crushed into the crown. So a little sad there, but it was truly the funnest quirkiest gift I've ever received so there's my little story get it, get yourself a handspring machine this year everybody deserves one after 2020 that was a much more straightforward answer than mine <laughs> you're right it is just quirky okay okay we are so let's just get into the stories because there wasn't a ton of news this week there wasn't there wasn't but yeah we got we had the stories that we want There's a lot. There's really a lot to talk about, and most of it is about Taylor Swift. But before that, we're going to be talking about Olivia Jade coming to Red Table Talk with Jada Pinkett Smith, Willow Smith, and Adrian Banfield-Jones, which is Jada Pinkett Smith's mom. So the 21-year-old influencer has stayed quiet since March of 2019, but approached the women of Red Table Talk to share her story because, according to her, Olivia Jade, the show creates a place that feels really safe. But Banfield Jones, which is Jada Pinkett Smith's mom, who's also known as Gammy, ahead of welcoming Olivia Jade to the table, voiced her concerns with having the guest appear on their platform. I fought tooth and nail, she said. Her being here is the epitome of white privilege. 
Olivia Jade recognized this during the interview, noting that she's become more aware of her status. A huge part of having privilege is not knowing you have privilege, she admitted, so when it was happening, it didn't feel wrong. She went on to claim that one of the ways she has reckoned with this realization has been by volunteering with the young children in Watts, California. However, in the wake of a pandemic that has disproportionately affected black and brown people and the Black Lives Matter movement, Gammy was not impressed. There's so much, this is a quote, there's so much violent dehumanization that the black community has to go through on a daily basis. There's so much devastation, particularly this year with the pandemic and everything being brought to the table. Just how there's so much inequality and inequity that when you come to the table with something like this, it's like, child, please, Gammy said. I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted with everything we have to deal with as a community, and I just don't have the energy to put into the fact that you lost your endorsements or you're not in school right now because at the end of the day, you're going to be okay because your parents are going to go in and they're going to do their 60 days and they're going to pay their fine and you guys will go on and you'll be okay and you'll live your life. And there's so many of us where it's not going to be that situation. It just makes it very difficult for me to care right now. So preach fucking gammy she basically like brought picked up this story from the grave like we were all over it this happened almost two years ago and it was olivia jade's choice um they had said on red table talk that she asked to come on red table talk and kind of say her piece and so i just found this so interesting and we we need to hit all of the points so right off of the bat like give me your initial thoughts emily well when you posted about this on our instagram story you perfectly captured my feelings which was that I had literally just forgotten about this story (laughs) I felt like the headlines had finally gone away because even after the initial shock and the drop of the story then we had all the updates on when they were actually serving their time and all the lawsuits and so this was truly the first time the last few months that I haven't heard anything about any of them and this whole college admission scandal so I did find it interesting that she now reaches out to talk about it and here are my two theories why she did this. One, <laughs> once again, why am I a conspiracy theorist? I don't no, know. Give me your theories. My theories are one, it's because her parents are in prison right now and she said that she hasn't talked to them. So I almost wonder if she's doing it now because maybe when they're out, they wouldn't want her to or they wouldn't let her, even though they technically don't have control over that. But I just thought that maybe it would cause more drama if they were out. I don't know. Or maybe she wanted to take advantage of the time while they were in prison to make it more of a sad story, you know? Like, I haven't talked to my parents. No, I think if anything, it's that versus her not wanting to, and again, this is all speculation, this part of it specifically, but I think it's like, because she was saying herself, like, it sounds like there's not even really any bad blood between her and her parents. Like, she genuinely didn't think that anything, she was like confused why people were mad. And she wasn't mad at her parents because she understood that her parents just were like trying to do something good for her or whatever. And she, she was saying, you know, she was like, I recognize that that was wrong now looking back. But in the moment, like, I didn't think they did anything wrong. So I wasn't mad at them and I'm still not mad at them. And it, so it did feel kind of like a little bit of a plea for sympathy when she was saying like, yeah, I haven't talked to my parents. They're in jail. And it's like, yeah, like they're in jail. Like you can't just like be texting your parents while they're in jail. So like (laughs) that's part of like serving a sentence in jail, I would imagine. You know what I mean? So like, cool. Wait, but my second theory my second theory is that she, because it hasn't been in the news that much and because it's kind of lost a following on the story I think she just low-key wants some more attention I think she's you know she kept mentioning that she wants a second chance Mm -hmm. and she which a I'm confused what that 
second chance is like, what does she want to do now? I'm confused what that exactly entails, but I think maybe it was a way, I mean, I'm not, I feel like I'm making her sound like a very conceited and selfish person. She is. But she is. I mean, she is. Yeah. I do think that there was an ounce of her that did have good intentions and real intention, real pure intentions of coming on the show. But I low-key think that it all finally died down. Everybody's kind of over it, the initial anger, even though people are still pissed. And I think she kind of wanted to use this to refresh and get some new followers and maybe get a, maybe some brands that we're watching that are like, oh, we should reach out to her for deals. So that's, that's more aligned with, so I was, I've been giving this a lot of thought because I remember when it had happened and those, that was also one of the moments where I was like, damn, I wish she had a podcast because we would talk the shit about this. But I do think that this is one of those situations where I'm neither for nor against Olivia Jade after this like redemption arc, I guess you could say, because, okay, so here's the reason that I am a little bit skeptical about this whole thing is it's not like she's this like rich girl who nobody knew about, but her parents are famous and rich. She herself was YouTube famous and rich. She had a huge YouTube following. I I think it was definitely in the millions at 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 the point that she um that all this like happened. So it's not like she didn't have the platform to come on line and say all of these things. So it comes off really disingenuous to have reached out to Red Table Talk, which is led by three black women. And like Gammy was saying, like basically taking advantage of them and them kind of like helping her on this redemption arc when she, they didn't need, she didn't need them to do that, but she's taking advantage because she know that it makes her look good is kind of how I feel. And also, I would imagine there are a lot of opportunities, brand partnership opportunities for Olivia Jade that maybe, this is just a speculation, I'm, I'm kind of being a conspiracy theorist myself, but who were stalling, starting to work with her again, because she still hasn't really had that redemption arc. And now, you know, say she has a partnership with like, I don't know, fucking Pantene or something. Well, without this little redemption arc story... I think there would be a lot more backlash versus now there's hundreds of thousands of people who say she came on, she, she owned her experience, she accepted responsibility, and she wants to do better, so I'm okay with it. Versus without that and without that platform and without that almost like acceptance because it did end on a positive note um, on Red Table Talk, without that, if she were to move forward and do all of her brand deals and partnerships as an influencer, which is definitely what she wants to do, she wouldn't have been as successful. So to me, it felt extremely strategic and it felt unnecessary for her to go on Red Table Talk. That being said, like what the thing she was saying, I was like, yes, girl, like I liked the thing she was saying. And that's why I wasn't, I'm not going to sit here and like berate her either, because I'm sure that she has had some learnings and like, I'm sure that this has been a huge wake up call experience, whatever. I'm sure her intentions are good, but it's actually really, really hard (laughs) to change your intentions and and change like the foundation of who you are. And I just don't really think that that's in the cards for Olivia Jade. Like, I don't think she's going to like all of a sudden be this amazing person who's doing a bunch for like under or for marginalized, underprivileged, under-resourced communities. Like (laughs) this is all just for show to me. I know, but I just, I need to get that all out there. No, that was really important to highlight because it's so true. You have a massive YouTube following 
and a shit ton of Instagram followers, why don't you just go live on Instagram like Charlie did, or you go and post a YouTube video explaining everything like Alex Cooper did. Mm-hmm. There are definitely other ways, and it, it is interesting. And I'm really glad that Gammy called her out on that and just called that out, out at the beginning of the episode. And here's something that just makes me mad. I'm glad that they told her, you know, that she would be fine and she didn't have to do anything to get back on her feet because let's pivot and take a look at Felicity Huffman. Okay. We all know Huffman. She was also in this whole admission scandal and she was charged and convicted for basically like fraud connected to, I think her daughter's SATs. And she served 11 days in prison. And then just two months later, she's set to appear in a new comedy on ABC. Yeah, and so yeah, that's just what's frustrating. And, you know, Olivia Jade sort of recognized that. So I appreciate that. But it, it really is like life just goes on if you're a wealthy and white person. So there was another argument that was being kind of passed around in all of the commentary about this, which was that, and I want to hear your thoughts because I actually don't know, like, I don't really know that I have an opinion formed on whether or not I agree with this take or not, but the take was that actually the Jada Pinkett Smith, Gammy, and Willow overlooked a really big part of this story, which was just the financial privilege and the the class and society aspect of this versus white privilege. Because, I mean, white privilege does have a play in this, but also the reason that this was frustrating from, like, a normie common person's perspective was because of the way that they used their resources as rich people. And so it's like, it it kind of felt like they didn't hammer that in enough. And the reason that they didn't was because the Smith family is is also very privileged from a financial perspective. And I mean, I think, I think that's part of it too. And that maybe, maybe was like a part of the frustration of the conversation too, because watching it, it's like, none of these people know what it feels like to not be able to have the ability to do that. Like the difference between the Smith family, and I'm just, I, they all have, I'm just calling them the Smith family to say the three hosts and Jade, Olivia Jade, (laughs) is that one of them understood that what Olivia Jade did was wrong back when it happened. Like, the Smiths or the hosts understood that that wasn't okay versus Olivia Jade, who was like, how is this not okay? But I'm sure that they're, they maybe could also be familiar with tons of families or people who, who, you know, bought their children's way into college education or USC or whatever. Anyway, I just thought that was an interesting perspective that was very true. Like, it's like, ugh, it's just all these rich people sitting around in a table talking about an issue that they'll never have to face, I guess. Yeah, like maybe we should get one of those really cheap white fold-up tables and we could, that we usually, you know, used to have at like high school banquets and maybe we could just sit down with her and call it plastic table talk from a poor person's perspective. I'm sure she would love to join us for that. No, but it is a good point. And they, I also wish that they had addressed the rowing pictures. I wish that had come up. I need to know how that happened but alas there is only so much time and they probably said no but I do think it was interesting I mean you also said this on our stories rich people are just so fascinating like when she was talking about how she thought that large financial donations to universities were just a normal thing to do yeah just imagine thinking that that is what the common folk are doing your friends your family everybody's doing it and 
I don't know. It's, it's so confusing to me and I can't say what's right and what's wrong because I've never lived that lifestyle. Unfortunately, I've never been in that bubble, but they did bring up a good point. I think it was Gammy that said, like, all you have to do is turn on the news. Yeah. All you, like, it's out there. And I know that it's not in your bubble, but how hard would it be to figure out that that is not what the average American is doing to get a college education? Yeah, it's just, like, it's incredibly frustrating because her, Olivia Jade's response kind of over and over again was, like, I was in this bubble, man. I was in this bubble. And, and yeah, like, she's basically still a child. Like, she she grew up in this bubble. And so I understand how that is like a reflection of mostly her parents and also just like the society that we live in that rich people just don't even have to pay attention to anything else that's happening but it's also like that's just I under like it, it makes sense and I'm sure that if I you know what grew up in the exact same situation I would have the same I would be in the same predicament where it's like I was just in this bubble man I didn't know but it's also like well no one's forcing you to stay in that bubble like no one's forcing you to not know about other things so it's just kind of annoying where it's like like, I feel for you and stuff, but at the end of the day, Gammy, Gammy was like, she's gonna, this white girl's gonna be fine whether she sits her ass in that chair or not. And I thought that was, that couldn't have been more true. Like, she could have just moved on and not, you know, come on here and had this kind of redemption arc and she would have been completely fine. Her family's going to be completely fine. She's going to be completely fine. She's going to make money. She's going to get brand deals. She's going to have opportunities that she wouldn't have had that someone else wouldn't have had with her same connections and resources or with her same skin color. And so for that reason, I kind of just wish she hadn't come on, especially during this year. That was something, a point Gammy made too. Like if it was any other year, maybe I would, you know, have the time and the mental capacity to feel more sorry for her and have more sympathy for her. But in 2020, it's just like, no. Yeah. And there's so many black mothers that have done nothing as bad as this and they're facing much higher repercussions and oh my god I got on like a Dr. Phil binge (laughs) the other week on YouTube which is not uh, is really hard for me to admit so please don't (laughs) judge me but there were just a lot of old interviews that I was binging and there was one mom I think her name uh let me search her really quickly (laughs) Anya McDowell yes and all she did was use someone else's address to enroll her son in a better school and Mm -hmm. she served two years almost three years. I think it was like two years and nine or 10 months. And then, yeah, she was like, Felicity Huffman has money and she bribes people. She got days. I got years. They, they missed a huge opportunity when they didn't bring up that specific example. I think that was, and there's more, there's so many more. Yeah. And that, but that one's really famous because it's like literally night and day. It's like so aligned in like what the actual story is like, but the differentiation between what happens when you're a rich white person versus a non-rich black woman is crazy. And I bet you anything, you know, there's a chance that they could have recorded that and just not clipped it in because I feel like they, I know for a damn fact that when Olivia was doing her media training for this interview, that they they worked through that question. And I would have loved to hear what her answer was. What they had prepared for her. Exactly. Like, how do you PR your way out of that one? Like, you don't. You just say, I'm fucked up. That's fucked up. Like, really what they should have done was prepped some sort of, like, way that they could have supported that exact family or something. Yeah, when she was talking about volunteering... For I was kids. like, are I'm you like how, about you, bitch? how about you take those hours somewhere else? Okay. No, that was just embarrassing. Like, like what was that? Her PR team did a great job prepping her, but they they it was a swing and a miss on that one. 
It was, but I will say overall, like I, I definitely, so just to recap, because we're kind of going in circles now, I think she did a good job. And I actually think, you know, with all the ways that they could have approached it, she definitely approached it the right way. It was the most optimal for her. Like she's going to get out of this relatively unscathed. It probably ended up being a good move for her, but I also have, you know, a lot of issues, which is the timing of it all, the choice that she made in going to Red Table Talk of all places, the the strategy behind it is just is a little bit off-putting and, you know, I'm just, I'm not going to be standing her anytime soon, but I hope that she goes off and does good things and learns from her mistakes. Yeah, I think overall, there really wasn't a clear winner from, I think it was a really good, interesting debate between both parties Mm -hmm. but I think that it just sucks because even though there wasn't like a winner and loser in the red table talk I think there are definitely still losers in this situation like the women that are still facing repercussions for doing minor things for their kids and trying to help them get a better education and then the seniors in high school that lost their spots at these elite universities you know because of people like Olivia Jade stealing their spots so that still pisses me off but and for that reason for that reason the federal government, the criminal oh. justice system, and higher education are all on the wrong side. I'll see they you are. Later, assholes. <laughs> Our lawyers will be calling your lawyers. <laughs> all right. Do we feel good about moving on to the next topic? We better. Otherwise, we're listening. We're, we're, <laughs> we're losing listeners. Yeah, by the actual second. Okay, take it away, Emily. Okay, so the timing just couldn't be more perfect for this because Audrey and I typically record our podcast every Friday, maybe Saturday, but we prefer Friday. And at the end of this week, we were starting to wonder what are we going to be talking about other than Olivia Jade. Taylor Swift heard our cries and she came to the rescue per usual. So our good friend Taylor Swift has surprised the Swifties for a second time during this treacherous year. She announced early Thursday that she was releasing her ninth studio album titled Evermore at Midnight. The world literally lost their goddamn minds. And the album is, everybody probably knows this, but the album serves as a sister (laughs) record to her first surprise record, Folklore, which was released in July. Which, first of all, isn't that crazy? Because it seems like yesterday. It does seem like yesterday, but so does March 13th, so. You're so right, you're so right. (laughs) As if the album announcement wasn't enough for us, she also released a music video, which she directed herself for the first single, Willow. On Twitter, she said, quote, ever since I was 13, I've been excited about turning 31 because it's my lucky number backwards, which is why I wanted to surprise you with this now. You've all been so caring, supportive, and thoughtful on my birthdays, and so this time I thought I would give you something. I just can't thank this woman woman enough, and let me say, I was talking to my coworker about this today because I was asking him if he was a T-Swift fan. And I really have gone on a roller coaster with her. I was a huge okay. fan growing up. No, go for it. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh. I'm just, I'm, I wanted to say that you're, I, this was exactly my question that I wanted to start off with. Is oh like, my God. Understanding like your background in history with Taylor Swift because I think that's important to inform. We've never really talked about her besides like dropping folklore. We didn't really go into her, I feel. So so yeah. true. Okay. Amazing. Mind reader. Yeah. I, I really fell off the bandwagon for a little bit. I was obsessed as a kid. Fun fact, I went to one of her concerts in I think seventh grade and Gloriana opened for her and I made it into one of their music videos for like 0.2 seconds because they did a pan of the, sh- of the crowd and I was right there. So I did not get paid for that, but that was the start of my career. I was obsessed with her, went to as many concerts of her as I could. Then in like, I would say early college, probably, I just sort of fell off the bandwagon. I was 
she took a break. She disappeared for that like long time. I still mm-hmm. love listening to her throwbacks, but I just sort of fell off the bandwagon. And the the Swifties are so aggressive that I just felt like I didn't belong. That I didn't love her that much to be a part of that crowd and it was sort of an all or nothing however this return of hers i'm back on the train i'm obsessed i waited until 9 p.m last night (laughs) oh my god okay wait so so before i give my little background were you you know what were your thoughts on like the reputation era like the lover era like were you around for that did you listen to that did you stand or were you kind of just like cool like what was your vibes there reputation I was fully checked out during and then, and I just didn't like it I didn't like that album because and people That's, are gonna come for my they're gonna come for your throat I know oh my god oh okay I sort of I want to <laughs> add an asterisk to the top of that statement because it's not that I didn't like her music but I just it didn't sound like her to me as if I know her but it just didn't it sounded so I was just over the Kanye and the Kim and the Taylor drama. It was so annoying. And I was like, let's write a new story. Let's get over this. Yeah. Okay. I get that. What about you though? I know that you're much more dedicated than I am. No, honestly, I'm not. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to be really real because I think I've talked about this before, but actually the reason that I'm like truly as invested as I am is because Taylor Swift is like one of James's top five favorite artists. I was just going to say, is James going to be okay with you saying this? Yeah, totally. Like, because I don't dislike her in any way. I think she, so I like listening to her music. I enjoy her music. I followed along with it. Like not as in depth. I just like wouldn't call myself a full Swifty, but I do think she's incredible. A, she's incredibly talented. B, she's one of the best songwriters of our generation. And I love her creativity. I love what she creates with her fandom and just in culture in general. Like, I think it's so fun to follow and to, like, listen to and whatever. But I'm not, like, a complete, total stan. I think I got kind of bothered by... It's, like, almost, like, too much to follow. And so sometimes it's difficult to feel included, almost, like you said. Like, I almost feel left out because I just don't... I just don't have the fa- the same feeling of like stanhood as other people do, but I still really appreciate her as an artist. And she's, she's, I mean, she was like my number three top artist or something like this year. Let me just say anybody that listens to this podcast, if Taylor Swift was not in your top five, please DM us because <laughs> I'm in a group chat where one of my friends asked, did anybody make it out alive without <laughs> Taylor Swift? Because even if you don't love her, she makes her way. Oh, totally. Your top five. And and Folklore was such a good pandemic album in general. I'm excited to hear your thoughts about Evermore and also about this theory that there's maybe a third album coming too. But all in all, like I've never even been to a Taylor Swift concert, but I have listened to like so much of her music and I love her music. I actually think Reputation is one of her best albums. So that's very interesting. Oh, shit. But I'm not a stan. I'm not going to come for you. Like everybody has their own feelings about Taylor Swift and as long as you're not being a misogynistic asshole saying that she's calculated and that you know she just bugs you for some reason and you can't figure out why then that's fine I love a healthy combo about likes and dislikes and positives and negatives and personal preference so with that I just like have a couple things I want to touch on with this album so very first, just tell me your initial feelings, like when you learn that it dropped, when you're like, damn, like Folklore 2, okay, and just all your feelings yesterday when you woke up. I was just in shock. I was not expecting it at all. I feel like we only get such a limited amount of Taylor every year, and the amount of exposure, and 
communication that we've gotten from her this year has just been second to none. Like she really has come back from the grave. She's alive again. She's here. And so I was just really excited for her because I really do feel like she's just on a roll. She's on one of those waves. She's re-recording all her previous work. Everybody is so excited about that. And I just think everybody is really happy to see her back on top where she belongs because she has been getting dragged through all this Scooter Braun drama. And I'm just so happy for her that she has this light amidst all that shit, you know, like she deserves that. I agree. And, but I will say like, I feel like lover, the lover era was really the moment where she kind of came into the sunlight again and was really ready to put all of that stuff behind her. Granted, there's like scooter stuff happening, but she's just not making it her main narrative. Whereas like back in reputation era, like that was kind of the main thing. And a lot of people were sick of that because it was like, I don't want to talk about Kanye anymore. But to her credit, like those were all things that she was feeling. She was being called a snake. She was like her, the whole like Kardashian standum was coming for her wig because they had that beef. And so it was just like probably a really dark time. That's how it feels and seems and how she recalls it in interviews and stuff. But I will say like when I learned about Evermore 2, or sorry, Folklore 2, aka Evermore, I was kind of like, down like another one you know what I mean because (laughs) folklore is really good like I and it was just like all of her other albums it took some getting used to because it's so different they're always so different and I think that's really cool but I was like of all the albums where there was a second one you know second to maybe red because red was kind of the lowest of the low for me personally Mm -hmm. I don't love you know, the continuation of this era. And that's just me personally. Like, I'm going to be the first to say it. This might be a controversial take, but Lover era was not long enough. Oh, I thought it was too long. Dude, what the fuck are you talking about? Lover, Lover came out. Wait, let me just Google when Lover Lover came out. Hang on. Lover came out only a year ago, pretty much. August of 2019. How is that not enough time for you? We've been in a pandemic where you can listen to music every day. Because she get was- your get your hours in, dude. Okay, do you really want to do this? Okay, fine. What yeah. was what was the um what was yeah, the album before? Do- Let's fucking do this. I'm down. Whatever. I'm gonna prove you wrong. I'm gonna prove you wrong. How? What are you looking at? You. I'm looking at her discography. Beesnatch. Hang on. Lover was not her best album at all. Dude, it's a subjective opinion. Like, you can have your opinion, but don't tell me mine is wrong, you dumb No, dumb. she said that in an interview. Says the fucking who. Says, so <laughs> liar. <laughs> no, lover, not liar. <laughs> okay, okay. Reputation era was two years long, okay? 1989 era, technically, if we're talking just distance between albums, was three years. Red was two years. Okay. Am I right yet? Or Speak Now was two years. Fearless was two years. Okay. But here's my argument for that. Here's my argument is that we are in a global pandemic and this year has felt like five years. And so we don't, we couldn't wait another year. And also she can't tour. No, listen. No. (laughs) She can't be touring right now. So there is literally nothing from the lover era that we need to continue because we okay emily i really feel she's like done her appearances she emily. made her talk show debuts like no. no i really feel like you're not listening to me do you want to listen what? you want to yell at me <laughs> i'm 
I'm just saying that if she would have waited another year. Okay, like, so you want to yell at me? Okay, so you want to yell at me? <laughs> just to clarify. <laughs> okay, what are you just saying that she, it deserved another year because that's her pattern? No. Oh my God, Emily, it's like crazy how much you don't listen. You're, so. You were just throwing out numbers. I was following the pattern. No, all I'm saying is, I'm saying that I think you're right. Like this. We can close that conversation now. <laughs> Listen to me, please. I'm gonna edit it and cut it off with that. Stop, Emily. Can you please listen? Are you okay, ready? ready, ready, ready. Dr. Phil, Dr. Phil. Okay. Maury, 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 Maury. <laughs> All that I'm trying to say, Emily, is that I'm so I'm a, agreeing with the part of your argument that is like folklore and evermore. This is a great time for it, like the pandemic. I have to disagree with your single point about saying that this year has felt like five years. Wrong. It's felt like five days. So tell me I'm right, because I know that I am. Say it. Sam, right? I disagree. It's felt okay. so long. Never mind. Whatever. We agree to disagree. What I'm saying is, in a perfect world, had the pandemic not happened, Lover Era got cut short too soon. She was supposed to be having Lover Fest like the same month that Folklore came out. Mm-hmm. So all I'm saying is like, I didn't feel like I was ready yet, almost. Like, I'm glad that we got it because of the pandemic and stuff, but it's like the same way that I wasn't ready for the pandemic. Like, I wanted to revel in the lover era because it was so fun and it was so lighthearted and like, you know, me was a flop. I'll give you that. Me was a huge flop, but everything else was a banger. Spelling is fun. Yeah, no, but like that, that album is so good. Um, if you've never listened to the Live from Paris recordings, I highly recommend listeners that you tune into the Cornelia Street and the Death by a Thousand Cuts live cut because they cut fucking deep and they're so good. All I'm trying to say is, like, this is an era that, like, I don't want to be in. Like, I don't want to be in the pandemic, and I don't want to be in folklore. I'm sorry. I love the album. I think, lyrically, probably her best album. By far. If you go song by song. Oh, my God, we agree. Song, we agree. Uh, thank God. If you go song by song on both Evermore and Folklore, try to find the beat. It's impossible, and that's because it is so fucking complex. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I'm saying from a catchy and just, like, pleasant point of view, like, simplicity is not what she was going for with this album, and I respect that, but I want an album that I can sing along to, like, at the top of my lungs. I want some pop jams. I'm sorry. Like, I want some pop jams. Okay, I will agree with you on that as well. There was one song, I'm looking through my notes. We both took notes when we listened to the album last night. Oh, Closure. I I liked it, don't get me wrong, but it was, the rhythm is so confusing and like it's so choppy and I just want, I just want some simplicity. Yeah, I agree. I want a good ballad that we can just like belt out in the car or at karaoke. Yeah, I felt the same way about Tolerate It, which was like, the lyrics of that song were like heartbreaking, but like seriously, you know how a normal song is like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Try to do that with Tolerate It. It's fucking impossible. And I was like, damn, I really wish that I could sing to the song, but my lack of rhythm makes it impossible for me to sing along to this song. No, I was thinking, I was thinking when I was listening to the whole album last night, I usually memorize, not like, I'm not like a freak that sits and stares at their lyrics and like memorizes (laughs) lyrics, but I, I feel like I usually memorize song lyrics pretty quickly after just listening to it a couple times. I will never have every song lyric from this album memorized. There are too many words. There are too many weird rhythms. I can't follow. 
Same with the folklore too. Like those are intense lyrics. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad at least we can agree on, on this, on the fact that the lyrics and the songs are just so complex and so different. We can take our arguments to our Instagram story on Monday and we can ask people one, whether they feel like 2020 was five seconds or five years and B. Write that down. Cause I'm going to do that. Okay, I'll, I got you. And B, ask them if they think Lover had enough time. I mean, I'm not mad. Like, I'm, I'm glad that we disagree because that's beautiful. But <laughs> I know deep down that you low-key think that I'm right, but you just, like, want to keep your stance for, like, the quality of the pod. That's what I um, I I actually <laughs> disagree because you were the one that said, you're right. And I'm going to edit that and just paste that through again. I'm going to, okay, wait, we're going to pause. And I just want to edit and paste that audio right now. Enjoy. I'm saying that I think you're right. Like, there we have it. Okay, great. (laughs) Okay, whatever. All right. Before we move into theories, I just want to get like a quick talk about your top three songs. Yeah, wait, I am just now reading yours and mine are completely different, which I love. So you can go first. Okay. Emily didn't write hers down, so I don't know hers, but... Well, I kept mine in a separate note. That way you couldn't copy. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, mine are... And this is just... I've only listened once through because I watched it... Or I listened yesterday, right when it came out. And then I didn't... I watched Christmas movies while I worked today. I did not listen to music, so sorry. So this is just first impressions, but my top was no body no crime because I just felt like it was super fun it had a really nice rhythm and beat which is what I've been looking for from Taylor (laughs) in these albums and I like Haim and fun fact Olive Garden is already tweeting about it so yeah Olive Garden was actually trending last night I don't know if you saw that that was fun yeah I just thought it was fun I liked the twist at the end and I just liked it it was a little more lighthearted because this album is significantly more depressing than um folklore (laughs) so Yeah. And then I really liked Dorothea. I kind of just, I don't really have a reason. I think it's just because I liked the story and I felt like it could have been slightly about her because she like rose to fame. And then there's like all these people from her hometown, like saying they didn't think she could do it. And, you know, like there's one guy from her hometown who thinks that he like knows her better than anyone because he knew her before she shot to fame and whatever. I just thought it was a cool story. And I liked the story once. Like same with Champagne Problems. I liked how I could like tell what it was about because some of these are like really fucking deep and people are like, oh yes, this is totally about like her in 1980 before she was born and her mother and he was in that relationship and she has influences from that and da da da. Like I'm like, how the fuck do all of you have that much room in your brain? Like I think it's cool. And then my last one I liked Evermore. Oh wait, I wrote Tolerate It and I like Tolerate It too, but I really like Evermore. Evermore gave me what the other Bon Iver song didn't give me. What, what's the fucking song? Exile. Exile, yeah. Like, Evermore was what Exile couldn't be. Okay, that's interesting because I liked Exile more. God, we are just disagreeing left and right today. I love it. <laughs> so, my thing with Evermore is that I it didn't make my top three, but I loved it because I just thought that it was, like, the perfect ending to the album. At first, I was like, why the hell did they put the name of the album at the bottom of the album? But it just really felt like, you know that feeling when you leave a movie theater and you're just so satisfied with how it ended and you just feel really complete? That is how I felt listening to Evermore. I was like, what a perfect song just to tie up all the loose ends, all my feelings. It just felt right. So I, I did love that part of it. My top three, number one, Champagne Problems. I cried 
what i usually don't yeah i don't know why i just must be like some sort of trauma thing (laughs) (laughs) i need to like go to therapy and figure that out because i don't know why i cried i usually don't cry to music but i just loved the story and maybe yeah because i was actually able to figure out what she was talking about so love champagne problems i loved long story short the full circle experience there really fun song And then my number three was happiness. Again, maybe I'm, am I depressed? I'm not sure. But I just loved how she said, there will be happiness after you, but there was happiness because of you too. Both of these things can be true. Just a beautiful lyric. Also, a lot of people were saying they thought it was about Scooter Braun. I'm like, oh, T. Oh, what? Oh, then I hate it. No, I mean like, but it's, but the message is still there. Like, it's just like that thing of like, it doesn't matter if it's a relationship or a friendship, but it's like, I appreciated our friendship and I'm happy that it's over and I'm happy that we had it kind of thing. Well, one, some lyrics at the end of that song, I literally copied and pasted these because I hate myself, but she, <laughs> she said, I just thought it was so good. It was such a good story. I know. I literally, <laughs> I hate the person that I am, but at the end of the song, she says, all you want from me now is the green light of forgiveness you haven't met the new me yet, and I think she'll give you that. And I just love that, because I think sometimes when you are really angry or sad about something, and you just can't seem to get over it, but you know that eventually you'll get to that point, I just love the way that she brought that to life. Okay, cool. I love that. Before we go into the next part, I need to ask you real quick, just like, how many stars do you give the the music video? Like, we don't need to get into it, but yeah. 3.8. Okay, I give it one. Great. Okay, <gasps> <moving> on. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't don't even want to talk about it, honestly. Okay, we'll get into it later. (laughs) Because we've turned into conspiracy theorists, we did want to just briefly go over some of the Easter eggs and theories that are just trending all over Twitter about the album and what people think it means and where to even begin. Take it away. Okay, well, why don't we just start with Woodvale? Because that's like one of the biggest ones. There is basically a conspiracy or theory that there's actually a third sister album to this making these like a trilogy and the reason is because she like hid the word woodvale in one of her like album art things and people are finding it and i think the same thing happened with evermore like evermore was hidden in the folklore album art so people are just kind of like following there's also some merch online there's like three different types of cardigans and the first two go with the aesthetic of folklore and evermore So that would make sense that there's a third album. Which I'm sure you're not happy about because that just means folklore will continue. I'm not. I'm honestly not. That brings me into my next theory, which there was a girl on TikTok who has the theory that not only is this her third album, but that she is getting close to retiring. And the reason that she's getting close to retiring is because she signed on a new record deal after all this Scooter Braun bullshit. She's with a, a different record label company. But when you sign a contract with a record label company, you agree to a certain amount of albums. And so this is her way to pump out a bunch of albums super quickly. And also, she is re-recording all of her past albums. So is she basically going to have like dropped like 10 albums within the year, like 20, like the next year or two, and then she can retire. You know, she's, I guess she's been on file or whatever (laughs) on record saying that she wants to retire someday and like have kids and start a family. And we also know that Joe Alwyn is a very private dude. Like they don't really share anything about their relationship. So it would make sense that she would not want to be in the public eye anymore. 
And the last song on Evermore is they're not released yet, but it's called It's Time to Go. <gasps> what do you think about that theory? Okay, wow. I actually hadn't <laughs> heard of that one at all, and now I'm trying to process all of it. <laughs> I have a hard time believing that Taylor would ever retire from music. I wouldn't be surprised. Here's the thing. I wouldn't be surprised if she does because I understand. However, being in the public eye, stopping music will never fully halt that for her. She is like so famous that she will forever be in the public eye. But I, I do, I would understand and respect if she took several years off, took like, like 10 15 years even, go ahead, T-Swift. You've given us enough content to survive. But I don't think she would ever fully retire. There's my prediction. I think this one might be a little stretch. It might be. I mean, all of the... Because that was all one TikTok video. I basically... I think I recapped everything from it. And all of the points were like, okay, I mean, we'll see. It's a little bit of a stretch. Except for the point about the fact that this is... She's dropping three albums because she's trying to meet the contract requirement like that blew my mind because we also know that she's re-recording all of her albums yeah. and I'm I don't know like what her I mean obviously no one knows what her plan is for how she's gonna release those because like did you see that um commercial with Ryan Reynolds one of his companies and it was a commercial and it had part of her re-record Love story yeah and so I don't know if she's gonna like I, I imagine she's just going to like relaunch all of them in the order that they're in and stuff. But that's what got me. And I was talking about this with a couple of my friends, Lauren and McKenna and Anthony. And we were talking about how, because Lauren was like, I don't think that Taylor Swift was whatever retire or like announce that she's retiring. And so it's kind of same take as you. I think that she, like a lot of musicians, I think, come out and say they're retiring, but then they come back later, like down the line or whatever. She has so much money, like she's totally fine. So it's not like retiring is like signing a contract that says she's never going to come back, but it would be a way for her to like set expectations with her fans. Like, okay, like I'm going to go start a family now. So please don't expect anything from me or please don't see like my social posts and think that I'm launching an album, you know, because there were 10 fucking popsicle sticks in my kid's photo or whatever you know what I mean like she she really set the precedent for herself to be completely picked apart everything she does so I almost feel like if she did want to like take you know five to ten years off to like start her family and and get out of the public eye for a little bit I feel like she kind of like not to say she no one she doesn't owe anyone anything but I think she would feel that she owes it to her fans to like communicate that with them you know yeah I guess that makes sense if she released us three albums in a year though like which one is gonna get album of the year none of them because the Grammys are a fucking hoax and the Grammys can suck my dick hole oh my god, oh my don't god. Say that. okay oh my god <laughs> <laughs> it just came out I don't know <laughs> so shocked what do you hate more frozen two or the Grammys Oh, the Grammys for sure. I don't hate hate Frozen 2. I just have a bone to pick with Frozen 2. There's a difference. I'm dead. Dickhole, dude. I, okay, what other theories are there? Any others that we should be aware of? Sorry, I'm chewing ice. (laughs) No, I'm sorry. I wasn't even looking at you. I was looking at the, oh, well, here's this other tweet that I saw that sent me down the rabbit hole. Somebody said, 
that Evermore is partly inspired by Emily Dickinson and said, you're telling me Taylor Swift is dropping a new Cottagecore album on the same day as Emily Dickinson's birthday called Evermore, which is how Emily Dickinson closed one of her most romantic poems that she wrote for her lover, Sue Gilbert. And that just sent me down a rabbit hole because if you guys didn't know, if you want some Emily Dickinson tea, she was in a relationship with her sister-in-law. So <laughs> no one cares. That's drama. <laughs> literally, literally, Emily told me that before this, like when we were reading all these, and I was like, "Bro, shut the fuck up! I don't care about that at all." Uh, wait, but the okay. So another one. So now I'm just kind of getting into Easter egg territory. The lyrics in the song "New Year's Day" by Taylor Swift. They go, there's glitter on the floor after the party. Girls carrying the shoes down in the lobby. Candle wax and Polaroids on the hardwood floor. You and me forevermore. Shook. And that's like a song that's definitely dedicated to Joe Alwyn. And also there's a lyric from Coney Island. So this thread says, a thread of the bridge of Coney Island dragging Taylor's exes. Quote, were you standing in the hallway with a big cake? Happy birthday. The moment I knew. So they follow me down the hall and they're all standing around me singing happy birthday to you. That's about Jake Gyllenhaal. And then another lyric that says, did I paint your bluest skies the darkest gray? And that's from a John Mayer song, Dear John, that she sang about John Mayer. And the lyric is... A John Mayer song called Dear John that she sang about John Mayer. Sorry, sorry, sorry. No, no, no. no. It's a Taylor Swift song about John Mayer called Dear John. And the lyric is, you paint me a blue sky, then go back and turn it to rain. So it was kind of like an ex song. She basically left all her exes on Coney Island and deserted them, basically, because she's getting married to Joaquin. That's really what's happening. Honestly, there's so many conspiracy theories about Taylor and when she's retiring and this other album. All I want to know is if her and Joe are engaged. Can someone give us that answer? Maybe that's what this third album is going to tell us. But also, it's like, I don't fucking care. Like, just... I, I really don't care. Like, of course, they're going to end up together. They've been together for so long. They're happy. They're writing songs together. Part of me is like, girl, you're playing with fire when you're wearing like a wedding dress in your um, music video. And when you are being so secretive about Joe Allen, because it just makes people more and more like invested and like obsessed with her. So yeah, I don't know. I get a little bit frustrated with the Easter eggs sometimes because it's like, I just want to know what's real and what's not. Like, what did she actually plant and what is just kind of like a coincidence? Because it's like, how does she fucking do it? I mean, it's incredible what she does plant, but there's also a lot of things that I think are coincidences as well. Yeah, like these theories, I believe that some of them might be true, but I just, I truly just get so overwhelmed and I'm like, again, I'm back on the T-Swift train, but not so much so that I'm like, I need to figure out if March is, if, you know, Woodvale is real, if it's coming out in March. Like, if it comes out in March, then great, I'll listen, and I'll be excited about it. But I don't need to know right now. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Like, it's just, it's too much energy. But I also think that's what makes her special, like, this kind of relationship she has with her fans and the people who do want to engage. So, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's just, like, not what I'm here for. Yeah. What you It's not a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, honestly, I know there's, like, we could go, we could talk for hours about Taylor Swift conspiracies, but that's just the thing. Like, we can't be on here for hours, so. We just don't have the time, nor the money. Nor the brain capacity. Nor the voice strength. Nor (laughs) the saliva levels. (gasps) (gasps) Okay, well, Emily, I think that really does it then, doesn't it? 
No, does that think does 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 the damn thing? Does, does them it? Know. So before we wrap this long episode up, we wanted to end with another review of the week, just to give our appreciation for those who have left a review. Take it away, Audrey. Yeah, and definitely not to coax or convince or hint you to maybe go also leave a review. Definitely not for that. Definitely not. Um, This review was from someone named Chandra. I believe is how you pronounce it. I'm sorry if I mispronounced that, but she said, a fun podcast. This podcast doesn't have the attention it deserves. It's very fun and entertaining. It's just the kind of weekly listening I need during this time. Keep it up. And just thank you so much, Chandra, for listening because we don't know who you are and that's like incredible. Like it's actually so cool that people listen to this podcast that aren't just like our high school friends or our college friends. And so we're so glad that you're enjoying it. And I just feel really like cool. No, we Every time something like this happens, Audrey and I text each other and we'll be like, do you know this person? No. Do you know this person? No. And it's so exciting when we get these organic followers that we didn't have to bully into listening to this podcast. And so we just really appreciate that A, you somehow found us, B, you're listening, and C, you left us a review. It truly made our whole month, week, year. It did. And same with getting DMs. Like, I love when people interact with us in the DMs. It just, like, makes my entire week. And I fucking love posting about pop culture all the time and having, like, conversations throughout the week. So please, if you're bored or if you're just like, I need to DM somebody about this, we are there for you. And I am here to talk about it. Anyways, thank you so much, everybody, for joining us for another week at The Wrong Side. I hope you enjoyed it. Follow us at The Wrong Side Podcast on Instagram. And I think with that, we'll bid you adieu. So long. Farewell. Af we dares and goodbye. Adieu. (laughs) Adieu to you and you and you. (laughs) Okay, we have to sign off or we'll never. We'll just keep singing. Okay, you're so right. Goodbye, everybody. Have a wonderful week. Bye.